I have no Aerosmith quotes this week. I am very tired. I just got back from the gym. I am horribly unprepared. Welcome to Backtracks Aerosmith Revisited. Uh, my name is Corey Morset. Unfortunately, joining me as always, the sexiest man in podcasting, Scott K. Haskin. How you doing, Scott? Well, Corey, I feel like we've just both been drugged through the mud oh, the last fuck. day or so. But here I we tell are. you, we're man, talking about Oof. Aerosmith. So, how bad can life be? Exactly. Life's pretty good now. I've had a, a you know, the, the, this last couple of days has been a hell of a week, I tell you. Yeah. It's been absolutely exhausting. But uh, we're here talking about uh, one of, if not uh, uh, the greatest band from America, uh, the Bad Boys from Boston, Aerosmith. Uh, currently, their world tour is, or their farewell tour is on pause. Uh, Stephen had, I guess he just ripped the hell out of his vocal cords, unfortunately, but uh, he will sing again. He's taking a month's rest, and hopefully that'll do her, and uh, the boys can get back on the road. I, I'm still hoping that they might add another lake in North America so we can check him out, Scott. I would absolutely love that. Uh, you know, we could uh, we could have him play over at the Sphere, and yes. uh, that'd be a great venue for them. Uh, love to have him come back, especially because they cut their residency short, and there was a lot of people that didn't get to see them like myself. So, uh, yeah, it'd be great to have him here, too. I'll tell you what, um, if they announce Las Vegas date, I'm going to try and, and, and maybe fly down there. And uh, maybe oh, nice. we, can, uh, we can meet up and check them out. Well, I think we'd have to. Yeah. There you go. That's the promise. If in 2024 they're hitting Las Vegas, uh, I'll get my passport renewed and uh, I'll make the trek down to Vegas. And uh, I want to go see this sphere. Are you going to go check out U2 when they're there in a few weeks' time? Uh, no, because I don't have another uh, house to finance to pay for the ticket. That's right. uh, pretty insane. Um, their, their prices are, uh, well, they're pricey. Uh, no, the sphere is really cool though. I, I have to say for all the hype, um, it, it is really pretty amazing to, to see what they can do with that display. Uh, my, when they put the eyeball on, that's my favorite. It's, it's just <laughs> I've really seen that one. That's pretty thing. cool. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, I, I would love to uh, go see a show there. I, I've heard that acoustically is supposed to be really amazing. I have a friend who's uh, one of the house audio engineers there. So uh, yeah, it should be, a, should be a cool cool venue. But Corey, let me ask you, here in the States right now, they're saying six to nine months for passport renewals. How are things in Canada? You know what? I don't think they're that bad right now. Coming out of COVID, they, they were about that long. Uh, I, I think uh, probably two, three months uh, is, is where we're at right here, uh, because uh, as soon as all the restrictions were lifted, a bunch of people went out and got their passports because they want to head back down to warmer climates, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> it was around yeah. winter time here. But uh, so we, we just kind of hung back, said we don't need to go to the States for a little while. We'll just kind of wait. But um, yeah, you know, if Aerosmith announces something, I'll, I'll, I'll get on the trolley and uh, I'll, I'll get my passport renewed. I'll either clear it with the wife or find a new wife and then uh, head on down to Vegas. <laughs> nice. <laughs> I'm in for that. I tell you, uh, you too, as we record this, uh, they uh, were uh, in Las Vegas the other night recording a new video for a song called Atomic City that they wrote about Las Vegas. Did oh, you, wow. on, on your walks, uh, did you happen to see uh, Bono and the boys uh, recording a video? You know, I have not been, I think I've gone on one walk in the last month or so, just because uh, between the rain and being really busy and all the F1 construction, and uh, for, for me, F1 does not stand for formula in this case. Uh, I have not been down to the Strip a whole lot, so uh, I, I'm going to be going back. But that's, I, I wonder if that's because of the uh, atomic testing site that, that uh, they, we have the atomic bar where they used mm -hmm. to go and drink and watch, uh, excuse me, watch the, um, the, the testing. And um, I've been there. It's a pretty cool place. 
So uh, I wonder if it's related to that. I would imagine so. I didn't hear too much of the song because people are just recording little snippets on their phones. Mm -hmm. uh, but they were uh, recording on Fremont Street, I guess, uh, last night. They wrote a, a song called Atomic City. They love Vegas. Uh, they yeah. shot, of course, the video for I Still Haven't Found What I'm Looking For down there. And mm -hmm. I always have an affinity for Vegas. So, And, of course, the, the big uh, residency coming up. So it was kind of yeah. apropos. Well, you know, uh, Fremont Street is where the Atomic Bar is. It's not oh. uh, on the popular area. It's it's down a ways off of, you know, like away from Las Vegas Boulevard. But it, that's, it is on Fremont. You know, I've uh, been to Vegas twice, uh, spent like five days each time, never went to Fremont Street. Because uh, each time we heard there was a shooting, and yeah. I thought, ah, I, did, I don't want to get shot, so uh, we'll, we'll just stick to the main drag. It is, it is a more dangerous area, but it's typically so densely populated with, with people, uh, you know, just milling around that uh, it's not really that bad. Just stay aware of your surroundings, which I would recommend anywhere you go, here mm -hmm. or really anywhere. Uh, it's, it's pretty cool. It's, it's something to see once, especially at nighttime when you can really appreciate the light show. Uh, but it's something that, you know, you can go down there and spend an hour and say, okay, I've seen Fremont street. I'm, I'm good. Uh, but if you want cheap eats and cheap drinks, uh, it's a great place to hang out for a night. Well, if we're going to see uh, an Aerosmith show, we're going to need uh, cheap, uh, everything, uh, because, uh, Aerosmith tickets are a little pricey, but, yes, um, they are. I digress. Maybe let's talk about the, what we're here to do. And yeah. what we're here to do is to uh, break down the Aerosmith catalog. And what we're doing is we're compiling the ultimate Aerosmith mixtape. We're going through every single song the band ever recorded. Uh, we even did some live tracks early on in the show's history, back when we had two mixtapes. Uh, right now, we just have one mixtape, nine tracks aside. We have the all-time Aerosmith top nine, and we have uh, deep cuts. Uh, so last week, we did a song called Out of Your Head, and it was out of our lives pretty darn quick. It wasn't too bad, but certainly not good enough uh, to make either of the mixtapes, uh, which means uh, we're here. We put uh, six songs on a die. We're going to roll the die, and we're going to come up with something. Let's just uh, quickly recap what's on our die uh, for tonight's show. We have a Think About It from Night in the Ruts, Never Loved a Girl from Honkin' on Bobo, we all fall down from music from another dimension back in the saddle added last week from Scott Haskin from rocks loved an elevator from pump and something from music from another dimension. Scott Haskin, uh, what are you in the mood for tonight? You know, Corey, I think with the, with the week or the three weeks that we've had in the last two days, I think we deserve something that's going to get us uh, all pumped up again. I'm going to go with back in the saddle. Back in the saddle. I have no problems with that one, but I'm going to pick the other uh, hit single that we have on the dice, uh, Love in an Elevator. Uh, as long as we get one of those two, I'm going to be pretty gosh darn happy. But what do you say? Let's throw it over to Steven Tyler and see what we come up with. And we are going to get Never Loved a Girl from Honkin' on Bobo. This is a Scott Askin ad to the die. Of course, Honkin' on Bobo, the uh, covers album that the band did all the way back in 2004. Uh, Never Loved a Girl was originally an Aretha Franklin song written by Ronnie Shannon, and you specifically were very excited to hear how Aerosmith would cover an Aretha Franklin song. I think it will be very interesting. You know, I, I grew up in Motown, and this kind of music uh, that she would perform was kind of a staple in our household. A, a lot of our 45s were, were Motown type songs. So I'm really curious to hear what the, I, I don't know the song by her either. So uh, I'm going to be curious to hear just, just her general style, how it sounds with, uh, with an Aerosmith twist. Now her version, of course, was I Never Loved a Man, uh, The Way I Love You, uh, released in 1967. 
Uh, interesting uh, for me because I'm a movie fan and I do a little uh, movie podcast called Backtracks Theme Music. But uh, this song and its B-side, uh, Do Right Woman, Do Right Man, were both featured on the soundtrack to the film The Commitments, which is one of my oh. all-time favorite films uh, about a, an Irish soul band. You, you got to check it out, Scott. The, yeah. It uses the F word more than any other uh, movie, uh, I think, in history. I, I, I think it might still hold the record. I'm not sure. We've had a lot of foul mouth movies since then, but for a while, uh, yeah, per runtime, it had the most F-bombs than any other film. And it's absolutely brilliant about all these uh, pasty-faced white Irish kids trying to break out of the Van Morrison Bono shadow and play in old soul standards like a Chain of Fools and Mustang Sally and, and, and I Never Loved a Man. Hmm. Interesting. Uh, I, I have not seen the movie and I will add that to my watch list because that sounds like something that I might enjoy. Before we get into the song, Corey, I, I, I feel like this is kind of a, a good setup. What is your favorite swear word? Favorite? I, I always like taking a swear word and pairing it with another word that doesn't make any sense, like mm-hmm. shit burger. Hmm or fuxical or you know just you know just c- c- combining words because you can really get creative that way yeah but you I'm know a, fuck is it, the ultimate word because it's a noun it's a verb mm-hmm. uh, it's an adjective like it could be anything you want it to be it's very versatile could be a question yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah i i like the combo i i like uh dick hole that's that's my favorite oh, that's one. a gooder yeah, yeah, I, yeah I, nothing I, nothing wrong with dick hole sadly feel the need to use it often <laughs> unfortunately lately yeah, you, you've had a, a Bad run, but we're going to improve your mood here tonight, my friend. We're going to go back to Honkin' on Bubble. This is track number five from that record. This is Never Loved a Girl. Wow, I'm really feeling some some strong passion coming from Stephen on this. But what strikes me also strikes, I, I didn't mean that as a pun, but uh, is the drums. I'm really loving those gentle ghost notes on the snare. It's a really odd shuffle in 3-4. Uh, I, I, I'm digging the feel of this song. It's moody. Very moody. And uh, like uh, I think we talked about the last time we did a Honkin' on Bobo song. This is everybody in the room. Uh, playing together and they mm-hmm. they wanted it that way they wanted it mic that way uh so that you would get the drums uh you, you would get guitar sounds coming through the drum mics and you would get vocals coming through the drum mics and you'd get everything kind of coming through the vocal mic so you get that kind of bleed through they wanted it to sound like it was live off the floor which it was uh and so it, it, it's such a cool sound like when when aerosmith is together uh, and they're cooking uh th- this is kind of the opposite of what we had last week with out of your head where it was very mass produced recorded separately stitched together that's not really aerosmith this is aerosmith uh, at their finest this obviously isn't a song they wrote but man they're singing like like steven's singing it like he wrote the damn thing he's he's singing like he lived it
It's very unprocessed, if that's even a word. Like, the drums are just mic'd, just ambiently mic'd, right? Guitars, there's no effects on them. It's just running through an amp. Uh, the, the bass, uh, always, we talk about Tom Hamilton every week. Uh, you talk about the unsung hero of Aerosmith. Holy crap, Tom Hamilton, uh, one of the best play- bass players in rock. Oh, yeah. I mean, it, it, this is one of the the first songs I haven't started out cutting you off 10 seconds in going, I love the bass, <laughs> you know, and, and not that I don't. Uh, I was just so, so thunderstruck by the, the drum style and Steven's voice that really caught me in the beginning. Um, yeah, this is it, it really feels like people that are playing together. And, you know, it, it's there's a certain magic when you capture people playing live and they're just relaxed. They're all looking across the room, smiling at each other, enjoying the song and being in the moment together. And you really feel it on this track. Is that a little harmonica in the background? I couldn't tell if that was brass or, or a harmonica because Steven's singing. Yeah, I, I think that was brass. There is a brass section on this. Uh, the Memphis horns are credited with brass on Never Loved a Girl. Steven's actually playing uh, piano on this as well. Oh, okay. Yeah. I was going to say, I thought I might hear a, just a gentle organ in the background, but I'm not sure if, if that's just a blend of sounds. Not a lot of guitar on this one so far. No, just, just little accents here and there. Mm-hmm. Used a good effect, though. Yes. Love a girl the way that I I love you. Now I think that is uh, Joe uh, on uh, on the background vocals there. Oh, I was going to ask you uh, how the vocal situation worked on this album, because being that they, I, I mean, I would imagine there were some minor overdubs for, you know, just for that layering sake. Uh, but they, if, if whoever that is, they sound really good together. I, I thought that was Joe. I don't know if there was a ton of overdubs done on it. They wanted just a very much raw mm-hmm. uh, five off the floor uh, uh, type production style. Yeah. Do you know where the phrase honking on Bobo comes from? You know, I, I, I thought I had asked you at one point, and maybe I just meant to and, and didn't, because I have a lot of thoughts that never end up coming out of my mouth, which <laughs> could potentially be for the best. I, oh, no, I don't. Well, apparently, well, Tyler came up with it. Uh, it. It may have came from a song by a Canadian country bluegrass band called The Good Brothers. Hmm. Uh, apparently they used i don't know the good brothers at all uh but apparently they used the phrase uh, honking on bobo and the band just thought it sounded kind of jazzish and nasty-ish and it it, it kind of worked for for the vibe of the record it does sound kind of jazzy doesn't it um yeah. i but see that like whenever i hear the word bobo immediately i think of a clown 
because mm-hmm. uh, it's similar to like Bozo the Clown that that uh, we had when I was growing up um, back in the old days. Uh, so that it, it I, I've never liked the title because it just reminds me of that. And it seems like a weird like, you know, you're you're doing that sniff my flower thing and they spray you with the, the water. Um, but uh, no, I like that uh, actual reason much better. What you thinking, Scott? You kind of looked around there like a. Well, it, all of a sudden, it just sounded like the, the sound changed. It just all of a sudden got really full. And I trying to figure out what it was that happened. Um, I, I, I'm not really able to pick out any instruments. It's almost like something went from mono to stereo and it, and it just changed the, fe- the feel of it. not the feel, the sound like it just all, all of a sudden became different. Um, I stay sober for this show, Corey. <laughs> well, you shouldn't. Uh, I almost equated to Jack Douglas just taking the sliders and just moving them up because all of a sudden drums got very big, right? And bass got very big and guitars got very big. And it had this really kind of cool build to it. And, and it, that's just Joey. He was playing like quiet at the beginning. Maybe he just started pounding the fuck out of the drums like he's known to do. This is a guy who in his drum solo ditches the sticks and uses his hands and head at some point. So, Yeah, <laughs> there's that. Those were some nice... Uh long builds though that they had just playing eighth notes um doing that slow uh quiet to loud build a couple times um the, the thing is like i can't i can't judge aerosmith on this necessarily for the writing because i don't know the original song but what i can say is that i think everybody's giving a great performance i love those little guitar fill-ins that that came in a little bit ago uh mm-hmm. those were really nice very bluesy um, this has got a really good feel to it. it. It feels like old school blues, but it sounds kind of modern. So all the guitars are in the fade out. <laughs> <laughs> right where you want them. Kind of surprised we got a fade out on Honkin' on Bobo. I thought they, they would just uh, end naturally, but I like to think that that jam kind of went on for another 20 minutes. It may well have. They definitely seem like they were having a really good time. And uh, at some point, the engineers just got to go or the producers just got to go. All right, look, it, <laughs> I can't put this on the album. I don't feel like editing it. Let's just uh, let's just fade it out. And that's the nice thing about recording in your home studio, which they did at Joe Perry's in the Boneyard. I think it goes as long as they fucking want it. And they even said um, they were only going to record when they were in their all in good moods. Like, we're not going to record if somebody's uh, being a miserable bitch. We're going to wait till everybody's happy and just, you know, kind of let it flow through in the music. And I think it works really well. This is one of my favorite Aerosmith records. They didn't write a tune on it, but they're playing and singing tremendously well on it, I think. 
Maybe that's part of the key. Maybe they just really needed to do something that was low pressure. And certainly with that, uh, that rule makes all the recordings just like this one where they're all together there. You feel the smiles going across the room and that sort of thing. Uh, I, I have to ask you, so how close is this to the original? I mean, obviously, you know, Steven Tyler and Aretha Franklin sing completely differently, but style-wise, did they change it a lot? No, no, th this is very faithful. And I haven't really heard the Aretha Franklin version too much, but I go back to the uh, Commitments uh, version, which is incredibly faithful. And it's dead on uh, with that one, too. Uh, there's, you know, a little call response when the uh, I Can't Sleep at Night and the little uh, guitar a uh, little pick and solo, and then I can't eat a bite, then I get back to the guitar, that little call and response, that's in both versions as well. So okay. uh, on these covers, they, they stay pretty faithful uh, to the originals. Well, then I would say this was a great pick for them because this song is right in their wheelhouse. I mean, you, you couldn't pick a more perfect Aerosmith song for Aerosmith to cover. Oh, 100%. And I uh, read an interview with Stephen where he talked about they did a lot of research on what songs to do. Like, they were very selective. And then they heard Eric Clapton was doing a blues cover album. They went, fuck! <laughs> but they, they 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 kept up with theirs. They thought they had this great idea, and then Clapton went and did it. So, but uh, before we get uh, to the uh, main uh, part of the evening, we got to play my favorite game show, Scott Haskin, and that's how many times do you think Aerosmith performed "I Never Loved a Man" or "I Never Loved a Girl" the way that I love you? Now I'm gonna not give you a hint this week. The answer could be zero. But uh, you have to let me know what you think the answer is with uh, closest to the actual number without going over. Well, I anticipated I might be put in this position again this week, uh, mainly because I am every week. Yep. Uh, I, I was thinking earlier, does this song translate to the stage? And I don't think that it does. I think it transfer it translates to a moment like this where they're just all together and smiling and having a little jam. I don't think it's really one for the stage. They might have tried it, but I'm going to say no. I don't think they ever did. So you're saying zero. I am saying zero. If it's one, I quit. <laughs> you are 60 off. They played it 60 times. Wow. Interesting. 30 times in 2003, 30 times in 2004. Okay. Well, maybe it, well, I, I could say maybe it translates better than I think, but they aren't, you know, always picking the best songs or knowing when to stop playing songs. So I, I can't, <laughs> I can't necessarily say it worked. I, I'll just say it's a great song for the band for sure. Yes. And now we have to ask ourselves, Scott Haskin, is this a great song for the mixtape? I tell you, there was only one single released off Honkin' on Bobo, and it was Baby, Please Don't Go. So if this has a home on the mixtape, it's going to be on the deep cut side of the mixtape. Let's recap those songs for you now. Currently, we have Hearts Done Time, Roadrunner from this very record, No More, No More, Girl Keeps Coming Apart, Bone to Bone, Coney Island Whitefish Boy, The Farm, Simariah, Rats in the Cellar, and Combination. Uh, I'm going to go first, Scott. Okay. Uh, because I think you went first last week. I did. And I tell you what, I, I love this record. I love most of the songs on it. Uh, the, there's one, when, when we get to it, I don't know if it fits, because, uh, you know, Aerosmith's not even really singing on it. Um, yeah, they have a whole different, uh, it, it's a whole thing. We'll, we'll get to that one. Uh, however, uh, I'm looking at our deep cuts, and as much as I love this this track and their cover of it, 
Um, I, if I'm going to swing out a, a, a cover, you're looking at Roadrunner, and I like Roadrunner uh, just that much more. So I would uh, vote no unless you can convince me otherwise. What are your thoughts on I Never Loved a Girl? Well, I will say I really like this. Um, I've been looking forward to hearing it for a while. It did not disappoint. But I think the end of the song, and again, I'm not knocking Aerosmith for this, but I think the end of the song just was kind of a little repetitive. Um, I can say in the way that they didn't do anything to make it not repetitive. You know, you could you could play that same part, but change things up, do something different on the guitar, play a different bass lick, you know, something. Um, but it, it just felt kind of over and over. So I don't think it's better than Roadrunner. Um, I think they're both really good songs, but I, I don't think I would push you to make the argument to put this on the mixtape. Okay, and there was not a, another track on there that you would consider swapping it out? No, I don't think so. I, I think that this is good, but I don't think it's stronger than what we've got there at the moment. Great track, though. Had a lot of fun listening to it. Aerosmith fucking killed it. Like, it's, it's a wonderful song. Covered incredibly well. Just, we have nine great tracks, and it's going to take something really special to, to knock one of those out. So uh, there you have it. I never loved a girl. Uh, apparently, we never did love it because it's gone. Uh, one and done on the show. Show 82 in the books. But now, Scott Askin, you get to replace a song on the dice for next week. So. Yes, I do. Yes, What I are you do. thinking? We have, we have two big hits on there right now. We got a couple of music from another dimensions on there. Uh, we got one track from Night in the Ruts. Mm -hmm. are, are, are you thinking later, Aerosmith? Are you going to go back early? I'm thinking Living on the Edge. Wow, we're going with another hit. Living on the Edge from Get a Grip. A oh, yeah, that oh, was I a didn't single. Know that. Okay. Yeah. yeah another well, big still, single. Uh, I'm still going with it. I don't know that song. Really? Mm hmm. Oh, this will be interesting. I just heard this on the radio the other day for crying out loud. Wow. <laughs> it's hard to get away from Aerosmith on the radio, let me tell you. Yeah. Oh, there are a ton of uh, singles from uh, Get a Grip. Let's just see if I can. Uh, what have we got here? Do, do, do. Yeah, we had uh, Living on the Edge, Eat the Rich, Fever, Crying, Amazing, Shut Up and Dance were all singles and crazy. Uh, also from, uh, from Get a Grip. So, yeah, ton. Walk on Water even was a single. Holy cow. Wow. Yeah. Big, big record for uh, the bad boys from Boston. Get, get a grip. One of my all-time personal favorites. I love that what, record. What was their bestseller? Uh, get a grip. Overall was, oh, was okay. their best-selling album. Yeah. Uh, Pump actually was also uh, seven times platinum mm. uh, back in 89. So they, they had two back-to-back, -back, seven times platinum. They're almost diamond. Diamond is 10 million. Uh, platinum is 1 million units sold. So 7 million is seven times platinum. Yeah, and you know when you think diamond albums, you're you're talking like Michael Jackson Thriller, uh, got to be up there, and and it depends on what list you look at too, because some of those lists will include uh, greatest hits albums, uh, because mm -hmm. some greatest hits albums have been like the Eagles' greatest hits, I think, is up there in in that range, and um, one or two others. Then there's uh, lists that show soundtrack albums, and others don't. So. Uh, really interesting to see what the top sellers are, but man, nobody can deny that Aerosmith has has not been a successful band. They they're killing it, regardless, and they've had their flops, but they've had some just amazing albums. Totally. Uh, do you uh, currently do you know what the number one rock album uh, in terms of sales is? Rock album. Okay, uh, I'm gonna say it's probably Bruce Springsteen, Born in the USA. Uh, no, actually, Bruce Springsteen, born in the USA, 22 times platinum. Wow. Oh, geez. So, so, so pretty good. 
but the uh, the all-time winner right now um, is 30 million total certified copies, 50 million in claim sales. So that would be uh, 50 times platinum or 30 times platinum for this record. Mm-hmm. I'll give you one more guess. I'll tell you what, Michael Jackson was number one overall uh, with yeah. Thriller, 51.2 times platinum. And who is the guitar player on Thriller? Well, on Beat It, it was Eddie Van Halen. Yeah. What, yeah. Didn't he play on Thriller too? No, no, he just oh. played on, uh, on Beat It and uh, didn't ask for any money, didn't ask for any royalties and uh, turned away a boatload of money. He would have been a very rich man. Not that he wasn't anyway, but he would have been like incredibly wealthy. But right. um, I'm just looking at him. Yeah. Uh, you know, I want it to be something like Metallica, Master of Puppets, but I know it's not. They're not. I don't think they're in the top 10. Um, no. Uh, it's it's got to be like. I, I know this is wrong, but I can't. I, I'm going to say Journey Escape. I don't think they're even uh, in the top 10, but I'm going to say Escape. No, they're not. We're looking at uh, albums of 40 million copies or more. Uh, the top rock album of all time, ACDC, Black and Black. Really? Yep. Wow. And by a long ways. Uh, next is Whitney Houston, the Bodyguard soundtrack. Right. Then it's uh, Pink Floyd, Dark Side of the Moon. Mm-hmm. Then it's uh, Eagles, Greatest Hits. See, but but this is where it gets confusing because if you're if you're now like you're probably looking at a list of best overall sales total, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Because then you've probably getting you're going to get a mix of country, you're going to get a mix of soundtracks and best ofs, yeah. and like I'm sure the yeah. Eagles, best of the Eagles, is on that list. That's um, number five. Yeah. Yeah. Can you imagine that your best of album is number five, but your albums aren't? <laughs> well, and it was just their first greatest hit, seventy-one to seventy-five. Yeah, that's even crazier. Now, I I don't think that these numbers are included because they're not actual sales, but at some point they've got to measure streaming and determine what how do streams count? Are we going to switch from overall sales to overall plays? Is it going to be a different list? Because the whole thing is different now. People aren't buying albums the way that they used to. So I don't know. There's got to be some other way that they're going to have to start looking at this. I don't even want to think about that. I, I'm I'm an, I'm old school. I like thinking about gold records, platinum records, multi-platinum diamond records. So if you go by the claim sales, uh, Back in Black uh, was five times diamond. Wow. Are you a, are you yeah. an ACDC fan? I am. I, I I enjoy them quite a bit. Yeah. It seems that seems like a band that you would be uh would would be a good one for you. Uh, we may do Bon Scott era ACDC on uh, Ultimate Catalog Clash if I have my way, because uh, uh, some good records that influenced a lot of the best players in the world, including Eddie Van Halen. Uh, one of his favorite records of all time is Powerage, uh, which wow. is a Bon Scott era ACDC track. Uh, but I'm, I'm just going to finish out the top 10 here for you so you get an yeah. idea. So we had Michael Jackson, ACDC, Whitney Houston, Pink Floyd, the Eagles. Number six, uh, Meatloaf, Bad Out of Hell. Oh, yeah. 43 times uh, platinum. Uh, then we have uh, the Eagles with Hotel California. So they got two records in the top 10. Uh, Shania Twain, Come On Over, Fleetwood Mac Rumors, and the Bee Gees, the Saturday Night Fever soundtrack. You're asking about um, Metallica, their first record, uh, clocks in at 31 million records, and it's the Black Album, the self-titled uh, record from 1991. Really? I would yeah. have thought Ride the Lightning or Master of Puppets would have been their their highest uh, sold album. You know, it's it's interesting that the Saturday Night Fever soundtrack would not be something I would suspect would be in the top 50. 
nothing against it, but I would never have guessed that sales would have been that high for that. Uh, what do you think the highest rated or highest ranking uh, Beatles record is? Original record. Uh, their their Beatles one record uh, is is in there. It's a uh, thirty one uh, times platinum. But their uh, out of their all their original records, what do you think is the highest seller? I, I it's got to be either Let It Be or the White Album, or no Jeez. no it's got to be Sergeant Pepper. Sergeant Pepper, yep, mm. thirty million copies. Actually, also coming in at thirty million is Abbey Road. Mm. Great album. Yeah. Oh, yeah. oh totally love the Beatles. I, 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 but in this... I love that era of the Beatles. I, I don't like their, their early stuff as much. Um, it's, it's a little too straightforward and basic for me. But when they started getting more um, away from mainstream songwriting and, and the songs got a little more interesting, like I love Let It Be, Abbey Road, White Album, Magical Mystery Tour, all that. That's a great time for me. Absolutely. So it, it's quite a while before we get to an Aerosmith record. But uh... how far? Well, they, they don't have one uh, over uh, 7 million. And, and this li list here I'm looking at, uh, you know, it's 20 million plus. You know, it's, it's crazy when you think about it. And, and granted, time has a factor because, you know, how long has the Beatles or, or the, uh, like the Eagles best have been out? Well, it's been out since the mid-70s yeah. or, or whenever they actually released it. But um, it, it's hard to imagine that you sell 7 million albums seven million albums and you're not even close to the top in the world that's an insane number if you really think about just seven million album sales that's crazy that doesn't count singles that's just albums that's amazing yeah. imagine being a band that has uh, two diamond records on their resume uh, van halen did it uh, 1984 and Van Halen one both went over 10 million copies each, but another band did it. And I'm wondering if you can guess. They're they're kind of an 80s mainstay that is still playing today. Ooh, the albums okay. in question are from 1983 and 1987. It couldn't be a flock of seagulls, even though they're one of the only 80s bands to win a Grammy. Think uh, glam. Think. Uh... And oh, they're they're currently be, on uh, tour. Oh, oh, Motley Crue. Uh, no, but it's actually the band they're touring with, Def Leppard. Oh, Def Leppard, yeah. Def oh, Leppard, they're, yeah. They're like one of the one of the biggest all time selling too, aren't they? They're up there, yeah. But Pyromania and Hysteria both uh, well over uh, ten million copies each. I think Pyromania just had a, a anniversary too of uh, of the original release. I had a copy yes, of that on vinyl. Yep, yep. Great I still album. do. It came out in 1983, so we're in 2023. So, yeah, celebrating a big birthday this year, 40 years. Wow. I wonder if they're doing anything for it, like releasing an 18-album deluxe edition. Oh, probably. <laughs> Everybody's doing that now, right? I just saw, like, a Tom Petty's releasing, re-releasing Mojo. Uh, Brian Adams just re-recorded a whole bunch of his records at uh, Abbey Hall, uh, the Royal Albert Hall in, in uh, London, England, re-releasing those on vinyl at, uh, you know, 100 bucks for the set. And every band uh, is now re-releasing everything on vinyl because people are buying it. Well, if you're going to do it, at least make a good package. Put a lot of good stuff in there and make it worthwhile. You know, if you're, if you're just re-releasing the album and it's on 180 gram and you're putting liquid in it, that's cool and all. Give us something we don't have. Give us something we haven't heard yet. Because there's, there's, if you could find the original tapes, um, there's got to be cuts or things on there, uh, rehearsal attempts or, you know, alternate yep. solos. Give us something worth, uh, worth buying. Absolutely. I know Queen's doing that right now. Uh, I got the uh, News of the World 
uh, edition came with a whole bunch of rare b-sides and outtakes and things like that and uh, they just released a miracle not that long ago so they're going through the whole catalog doing that here's hoping aerosmith might do that too i'd love to hear you know uh, some outtakes from toys in the attic or rocks uh, go yeah. way back when even stuff from like rock and a hard place mm-hmm. or draw the line some of their less heralded albums and, and see how that how that goes but uh scott i think we've uh, prattled on long enough uh, yeah. what do you say you tell the fine folks about the deep dive podcasting network well, it's just a crazy network of, of incredible podcasts, Corey. I have to say, uh, it's really cool to be a part of it and to be able to say that these shows are just all representing different bands of different uh, eras and genres, but we all work together. We all support each other. I absolutely love that. Uh, you mentioned earlier your show, Backtracks Theme Music, that you do with, uh, with John Mariano. You also do a show with Mark Kermeyer called And the Podcast Will Rock. And you do a show with Kevin Brown called The Ultimate Catalog Clash, currently going through the uh, Genesis catalog. I'm looking forward to the new episode coming out tomorrow. Uh, well, I should say tomorrow as we record this, which is about a week in advance. Uh, Kevin does his own show because, uh, you know, you're you're not going to dominate his life. He has nope. the uh, Tom Petty Project. He also does a show with his buddy Randy called Seaside Pod Review. Then I have Uriah Heap, the Magician's Podcast. Nate and John have the Deep Purple Podcast, The Simple Man at Skinner Reconsidered, Terry T-Bone Mathley at T-Bone's Prime Cuts on the other side, Rye has Sabbath Bloody Podcast, Paul, Joe, and David at In the Lap of the Pods, Andy and Matt at Hawk Binge, Eric and Jonathan at Maiden A to Z, Daniel and Josh at Diary of the Mad Men, The Ultimate Ozzy Podcast, Ben and Sam at Universally Speaking, The Redhead, Redhead Chili Pepper Podcast. <laughs> yeah, I've, uh, I've I like that better for a change. Yeah, it should, uh, <laughs> should, that, I bet that there's a cover band out there somewhere. The, the Redhead red Chili head, Peppers? There's got to yeah. be. All gingers, uh, yeah. All gingers, yep. The Redhead, the Red Hot Chili Peppers podcast. George and Hattie over at the Judas Priest cast. Cla- uh, Clay and Rye at North by South podcast. See, once I've stumbled, it's just it's all it's, downhill. It's, it's a freight train going downhill from there. Uh, Greg and Jonathan at So Far So Pod. So what? We have Quinn at And Volume for All. Sav, Nick, Steve, and Mark at Rock Roulette podcast. Chaz and Greg at Regarding Lulu, and Chaz and Shatz at our newest show, Rush Rash. They have uh, just putting out their third episode, so check them out, give them some love. And then our friends, of course, Sean Geek and Fast Fret, Eric at Booked on Rock, Ken Napsock at Pop Rock and Radio, and the flagship of all Deep Dive podcasts, Pod of Thunder. That's right, and a little spoiler alert here, I just got my invitation to be on Rush Rash. Uh, yeah. We're going to record it next week, so we're going to spin that wheel, and I'm going to talk about Rush, apparently, a band I know precious little about. So <laughs> That's that's going to be an interesting one, because you're not a big uh, prog guy, and they are, they're pretty intense. Yeah, I, I, I do like a, a lot of their stuff, I, and I can really appreciate them as musicians and, and artists. They're just brilliant, so yeah. looking forward to that. Uh, I'll be awful on that show, but uh, please uh, check out uh, Chaz and Shats. They're doing a great job over at Rush Rash. Uh, but until uh, next time, Scott Askin, do you have anything uh, yourself you got coming up? I hear the Haskin cask is ready to make a return. Oh my god, yeah, finally. Uh, all the episodes are uploaded, all the show notes are, are cleaned up and uh, accepted by the uh, the new distributor. And uh, new shows, well, by the time this airs, we should have had one new show already. And then this week, this Wednesday, one Corey Morissette joins oh. the Haskin Cast podcast for a very interesting first-time review for me. Uh, obviously, you know that we both lived, but uh, I will say barely. 
Yeah, it'll be my last appearance on the Haskin cast. I'm just going to say that right now. <laughs> Had it with that bullshit. But anyways, uh, go check out that show uh, wherever you get your podcast from. And thank you for joining us here. And until next time, on behalf of Scott Haskin, my name is Corey Morissette. Thank you very much for listening. And as always, let's give the final word to Stephen Tyler. <laughs>